here's a message from Ken Lavica. Ken Lavica is on vacation. Your boy Brother Love is in, that's okay. But Stone Labanowitz is here, and that's what matters most. But like the pirate said in Captain Phillips, I'm the captain now. Hit the open stone. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVeca Live on ESPN 1063. It is Ken LaVeca Live on a Monday, an NBA Finals Game 5 Monday. He's on vacation somewhere, we believe, in Montego Bay. We don't know, and we don't care. Your boy, Brother Love, JC in, and I got to tell you, Stone, Ken Levicka has filled in for me on the home team many, many times since 2014. Okay. I have never, ever, ever filled in for Ken Levicka on his show, and I got to tell you, I felt this weird sense of pride in him and a little bit of like, oh my gosh, like, it puts things in perspective that he actually finally got a real job. It took him forever, but he finally got a real job of his own. I'm very surprised that you've never, you know, uh, been no. uh, captain and, and, and driven no. the ship before. No. I'm the captain now. I'm going to try not to screw it up. Ken loves this show. He works very hard at it. You love this show. Clearly, you don't work that hard at Whoa. it. You can tell by listening. It's minimal effort. Your mind is elsewhere. Uh, you and I had a night on Friday. We're yep. going to get to that. You and I had a night at Kid Rock. <laughs> you, you, by the way, um, you were in not just your joy and glory. But like your element, you were loving the Kid Rock experience. I've never seen you so happy, joyful, and possibly drunk. You mean that? You were, bro, you were loving it. I mean, it's spot on. It's accurate. None of that is a lie. Uh, we will get into that in a little bit. We have you, as Ken says, until 2 p.m. You got a special game. It is Vacation Feud, apparently version 2.0. Ken is in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Is that right? Yes, he is an all-adult-only vacation oh, spot. Oh. Yeah. yeah. No kids. That's what kind of business. I actually saw a Instagram story that Vivi, his wife, posted. Yeah. He's got himself a handful in it. So, so, it's, so it's wifey and Ken yeah, on and, an adults-only vacation. And I believe three other couples. Okay, very nice. Because, you know, right before pandemic started, Ken's wife was, like, on vacation for weeks by herself. She was on one of those, like, solo vacations. And I said, bro, you better call her back. This pandemic's about to hit or you'll never see her again. <laughs> and I go, and what is she doing vacationing for weeks around the world by herself anyway? Honestly, I mean, that's a better question. I mean, no, but they look happy, look like they're having a good time, and I'm following it all. Well, can enjoy yourself at your adults-only vacation. It sounded sexual for a little bit there. When you're like, adults-only, I'm like, wait a minute, is it one of those baby-making trips? Yeah, it's a tough phrase to get across, but I mean, that's how I put it, adults-only. Well, hopefully they're having a nice vacation, and he's not cutting corners like the time they went to Costa Rica and went zip-lining on their honeymoon using hangers and electric cords. <laughs> like instead of like paying for real zip lining, we were talking about like how they tied ropes together. Yes. And then they were told to hold on to a hanger. And that would be how you slide down the zip line. I, I mean, like, it makes sense. I can see Ken doing that. It is a Monday, and it is also finally the NBA Finals return. Game five tonight, live from the Chase Center in San Francisco. We'll have it for you here live on ESPN 106.3 FM. And it is a sudden turn of the tables. Or as Michael Scott from The Office would say, my, my, how the turntables. Mm-hmm. Um, we had home court stolen away in this series in game number one. Yeah, it was the first one. Remember, and there was all this talk about, wait a minute, how much trouble now are the Warriors in? Is this going to be a gentleman's sweep by the Boston Celtics? Home court was taken immediately. The Warriors rebounded one game two. Then they lost game three in Boston, and then they stole game four back. So home court now resides with 
the Golden State Warriors. The series price has also shifted. Before this series tipped off, the Golden State Warriors were a roughly minus 160 to minus 150 favorite. The comeback, Boston Celtics, about 125 plus 130. And now we are back once again with the Golden State Warriors, some locations offshore, a minus 140 series favorite. For those that don't know what that means, it means that the Golden State Warriors are now favored to win the NBA Finals. In other words, two of the next three games, if need be. Yeah. You'd lay $140 to make 100 If you think the Celtics are going to win two of the next three, if need be, 100 bucks would return for you $120. I predicted it Friday afternoon on the home team. It was just Tina and myself. Dean was doing big-time television on ESPN. He was on the set, as a matter of fact. He looked good. He does look good. Dean Thomas is back, by the way, today, 4-6 to six for the home team, if you've never heard of it. Anyways, I said, Tina, games 1, 2, and 3 have sucked. This NBA Finals has been extraordinarily ordinary. The games haven't been close. There haven't been lead changes. It's been really a story more of poor performance than it's been of Accelerate. It's been more a case of so-and-so's not playing well than it is, hey, look what Steph Curry's doing. Steph Curry shouldn't have to do that. If you're going for 40-plus, that's a bad sign. If you need to do that, that's a bad because it means other guys aren't doing their jobs. It's never a good thing when you've got last player that went for 40 in consecutive NBA Finals games. MJ. Devin Booker. Oh. How'd that work out? Not very well. Correct. So you're on the wrong side of history. Shouldn't have to be going for 40. You look at games one, two, and three, as I was saying to Tina Friday afternoon on JC and the home team with Dean Thomas and Tina. I said, this series has sucked. It has been underwhelming. Not dramatic. We haven't had lead changes inside the final minute. We haven't had that final possession. Somebody scores with 28 seconds left. Somebody mm-hmm. scores with eight seconds left. Then they got to inbound the ball, no timeouts. We haven't had any March Madness finishes. The playoffs have been brutal, brutally ordinary, and blowouts. And I said, watch. Tonight will be a game where there'll be lead changes late. Tonight there'll be a game where there is some kind of a comeback. Tonight will be actually an exciting game, and I'll be drunk at Kid Rock. And sure enough, all of it was right. That is right. Every damn part was right. It was right on cue. You're right. Nothing had really happened. It was about Draymond. It was about Tatum being a no-show. And everybody was calling for it on Friday, a Steph Curry legacy game. What game can he stamp himself a finals MVP favorite? Went off for 43 and did it all himself in that fourth quarter. So I think you're right. We finally got one. We've got the NBA Finals four games in, and no game has been decided by fewer than double digits. Do you realize that? We are four games deep. We've already played four. And we've not had one game decided by under double digits. That's not good for ratings. That's not good for interest. That's not good for social media exposure. What you want is games that go back and forth. Close games. Lead changes. And that just hasn't existed. If you go back to game three, uh, yeah, game three, the Warriors led 2-0. Then they led Mm 83-82. And they never led again. That was it. It was, there were two lead changes, and that was it. Uh, this game tonight could be a lot of fun. Should be interesting for a number of reasons. If you win tonight, your odds of winning the series actually are lower than they are winning game three when it's tied at one game apiece. Do you is realize it, that? Is that right? It goes from 82% to 73%. Because at this stage, it's like, okay, two out of three. Those things, obviously, mathematically right. different because you have more chances Early on, therefore, to finish someone. When you're two game, when you're when you're three games in, it's different than being five games in. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, if you're Boston, you do not want to give this game up because seventy three percent on the Warrior side, 
I mean, that's a mountain to climb. Well, I mean, it's not as high, obviously, as 82%. It's 9% less. I'm good <laughs> with math. But here's the reality. <clears throat> the Golden State Warriors did what they needed to, and that is take back <clears throat> home court advantage. The Boston Celtics, they don't lose consecutive games. Remember, you've got one of those situations tonight in Game 5 that is truly a, well, something's got to give. In sports, we talk about something's got to give. It's the number one rushing offense in the NFL against a number one rushing defense in the NFL. Yeah, Something has got to give. This is one of those. The Celtics are 7-0 and this postseason, entering off a loss. The Warriors are 10-1 and at home this postseason. This game being played in Golden State. What's amazing on the other side is that the Warriors don't win back-to-back games. Right. And we've talked about this. We talked about it Friday on the home team. Um, only twice um, throughout this postseason have they won back-to-back games. This is a very strange postseason. It's a very strange NBA Finals. Stranger Things, the, the final season, is now streaming on Netflix. And we've got stranger things than that happening in the NBA Finals simultaneously. Yeah. Where it doesn't make any sense. Jason Tatum, one of the only players to score this many points since Larry Bird, 1984. Yet, he's on pace right now to have the lowest two-point field goal percentage in the history of these statistics. Yeah, and Jalen Brown is surpassing him as far as if you want to vote for the MVP or you want to wager on it. Like Jalen Brown's having a better series overall sure. than Tatum is. And that, that, is, that is strange. So, so Tatum is scoring at a pace only equivalent to Larry Bird in 1984. But he's also on pace to have the lowest field goal percentage from two um, since statistics have been kept since the merger of the ABA and the NBA. Then you got Draymond Green, who has inexplicably more fouls than points. Let me repeat that. (laughs) Draymond Green has more fouls than he does points. You can extrapolate numbers and statistics from this. Yes, we know the Celtics are 7-0 off a loss. This game's on the road. This game's in San Francisco, and this is that game five where you go, you know, listen, you don't need motivation this time of year. We're not talking about playing in January, February, or March. So I don't want to hear anyone discuss how much somebody wants it and what they're trying to prove. It's real simple. Dudes are doing whatever it takes to win a basketball game. Like we talk about all the time, Rashad Evans said, and Dean often quotes it, you know, a fight is a suffer contest. These games, this time of year, where everybody's injured and everybody's hurt. They're both. And you know the difference as a former college football star. You know the di- there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. And right now, everybody's a little bit of both. Yeah, everyone's a little bit of both, and everyone got fooled by Steph Curry <coughs> on Friday night. It was kind of, what do we expect? <coughs> if Steph's on the court, he's important, and he's going to be the reason the Warriors win. And you can say that, but nobody really knew what to expect, and he came out and gave you a 43-ball legacy game best performance he's had in the finals, and it was all after he was banged up and Al Holford laid on his ankle. So it's like really what to expect a lot of the time with these guys in the NBA because all the injury reports are always the same, yeah. always saying questionable, he's available tonight. You never know what you're going to get, and we got the best games. And they're not going to tell you the truth. Why right? would they tell you the truth? The Celtics are 7-0 and this postseason off a loss. The Warriors are 4-0 and under Steve Kerr when a series is tied at two games apiece. So when a series is tied at two games apiece, they're perfect. The sample's small, Stone. There's only four instances. The Warriors are 10-1 and at home this postseason. Again, the sample size is too small. You know the statistic that to me jumps off the page, the one that tells me what I'd be most interested in when it comes to these next two and maybe three. We know we're playing two more. We might have to play three more. 
but we know we're playing two and maybe three. The statistic that jumps out to me, how many teams are there in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, it's not a difference. 30. 30. Do you know where the Boston Celtics rank this season for clutch time wins percentage? Clutch time being, you know, the final four minutes when the game is within the five points there, uh, whether you're tied or leading or trailing. Do you know where the Boston Celtics rank this year in clutch time? I know the beginning of the season didn't help going 11-16. and 16. I would say 22 or higher if I had to guess. 29 out of 30. Wow. They were the second-to-worst team in the entire NBA in clutch time. You know what's been great for the Boston Celtics? This series hasn't had a clutch time mm-hmm. because the games haven't been close, with the exception of Friday. What happened in clutch time on Friday? Because that was the first time in Game 4 we actually had a clutch time scenario, meaning the margin of the lead in the four minutes in the clock. What happened during that gap? Do you know? Steph Curry took over the show. You and I got drunk at Kid Rock. I mean, you and I were drunk <laughs> at Kid Rock. <laughs> that, that's what happened. You and I were drunk at Kid Rock screaming, bond to the bond to bang to bang. <laughs> the Warriors scored 13 points. The Boston Celtics scored zero. Mm-hmm. Zero. That's a zero. Yeah. Clutch time. Matters more to me than 7-0 off a loss. Clutch time matters more to me than the Warriors being 4-0 under Steve Kerr when the series is tied at two games apiece. Clutch time means more to me even than the Warriors being 10-1 at home because they played 82 of those games. It's a large enough sample to let us know who they really are when it gets tight. And I'm talking about Tuco Salamanca from Breaking Bad when he got his first taste of Eisenberg's meth. Do you remember what he said? No, I don't. Remember that episode of Breaking Bad? No, I don't. Tuco Salamanca, when he got his first taste of Eisenberg's meth, he went, tight, 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 tight. He just kept yelling, tight. <laughs> tight, 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 tight. These Boston Celtics, in clutch time, they get tight, tight, tight. And that's why they were the second to worst team in the entire NBA in clutch time. And that's why on Friday night, when they finally had a finals clutch time, They scored zero, gave up 13, and went from leading to losing by 10. I mean, if you're worried about bucking that trend that the Warriors are 10-1 and at home this postseason, you should be because Jason Tatum in these clutch moments hasn't been here, let alone I think the entire series hasn't been who he was supposed to be. But if we're talking stranger things, tonight's Jason Tatum's turn. I mean, it is his turn to get this thing right. I mean, I I just don't know how else – Boston gets out of here. And I know the line's low, and we talk about how close it is and that the 7-0 following a loss, but they need to get this one out. They need to do this or else I think this thing is over. Golden State Warriors, a three-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. The over-under, two ten-and-a-half. We don't care as much about that. Um, what we do care about is remembering what the next three games could and would be. The Warriors could win it tonight, game six, uh, excuse me, game five, and then be able to close it out in Boston. Or the Celtics could do what they've done, and that is get another win off of a loss, make it a perfect 8-0, and have a chance to close it out in Boston. The question is, Stone Lebanowitz, is the winner of Game 5 tonight more likely to win the finals if it's the Celtics or if it is the Warriors? Again, let me repeat that question. The winner tonight, are they more likely to win the finals if it is the Celtics or if it is the Warriors. Remember, Game 6 in Boston, Game 7 back in San Francisco. 
888-760-ESPN. The winner tonight, more likely to win the finals if it's the Celtics or the worst. It's not the same thing as who's going to win it. It's a different question because it shows what you believe the importance of breaking the streak is tonight. Whether it is bucking that mathematical trend of the 7-0 off a loss, bucking the trend of how bad the Warriors are and winning back-to-back games, yeah, or bucking the trend of the Warriors being 10-1 and at home this postseason. I'll give you first crack at it. Go ahead. Is the winner of Game 5 tonight more likely to win the series if it is Boston or if it is Golden State? I don't think... Boston going home with a chance to win the finals is as scary as going to California in Game 7 with Golden State having a chance to win this finals. I, I, I think the answer is Golden State. I think because you even if Golden State loses this game, there's still a chance that they will steal that game in Boston. And, and those, those odds, when Vegas spits out that line, they'll provide that answer as well. So I think a Game 7 at home at Chase Center for the Warriors is more scary than the Boston having a chance to do it in Game 6 if they win tonight. So I'm going to argue that by saying, if the Celtics win tonight, I like their chances to win the finals greater than if Golden State does. Because what it would mean is, we're going home with a chance to close it out. Right. And if it doesn't work, okay, then there's a Game 7. I think the Celtics are more dangerous if they win tonight than the Warriors would be if they win tonight. Because you're going home home with a chance to close it with a margin of error. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, and to be honest, I think that the TD Garden, as it stands right now, is a little bit scarier than Chase Center. But I'm just going off of historics, right? Steph Curry, maybe we get a clay game in Game 6. Maybe we get a uh, clay game in Game 7. Like, there's more the Warriors can pull out. And it's going to be Tatum or Brown closing it out in Game 6. But I hear you, though. Boston is scary. So who can least afford to have another bad night tonight for their team? Is it Jason Tatum for the Celtics or Draymond Green for Gold State? Who can least afford to have a bad night yet again? Tatum for Boston or Draymond again, who is the emotional leader and, you know, that guy for his team with the Warriors? Who can least afford to have another bad night? Jason Tatum. I mean, Jalen Brown is the one been carrying the load for them. And it's mm-hmm. out in the public. It's not like it's hiding. Like, Jason Tatum speaks about it openly post-game that he knows he's not having the best series. There's things that they're doing to him that are slowing him down that he's not a fan of. And he just spoke about it openly. And Jalen Brown right now, if you're checking you know, who you want to bet on to win the MVP, he is second in line behind Steph Curry, and I think rightfully so. So if Tatum has another bad game and they lose this game by double digits, pressure's on. Remember what Draymond is counted on for, and it's not scoring. It's defense, it's emotion, it's energy. Yeah. It's game five of the NBA Finals. We're okay on energy and emotion. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so, so this isn't one of those games, and again, February, March, even April, even May. It's a really good call. So we're in the middle of June. So if he's counting off for three things, and two of them we don't need because we're good on, well, he doesn't score anyways. So, 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 we don't need, so he can afford. Draymond can afford to be bad. The Warriors can afford for him to be bad, much more so than exactly what you said, than the Celtics having a bad night from Jason Tatum and expecting to win a game on the road that is that pivotal, that pivotal game five in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I got to ask you something. Jay Will mentioned this this morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. You mean your best friend? My BFF. 
Did you guys talk on the phone yesterday? We 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 did. We're planning. He'll be. I think he's uh, coming on the show Thursday. What's going here. What's going on with you two? What's going on with this bromance between you and Jay Will? Who you hear weekdays here on Jay Will Max and uh, Keyshawn? Actually, it's it's Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Yeah. <laughs> but we like we put Max last because Max is too so, smart for his so, own good. So do they? Yeah, he's yeah he's too smart for his own good, or so he thinks. Uh, <laughs> six to ten here on ESPN one zero six three. Go ahead. What's going on with this bromance between you two? To be honest, I think he works around a bunch of older people. What's going on? But like, you guys have a weird I, bromance. I, I think we do, but I, I think <laughs> you're going to do this to me. I think that, I, I think, like I said, he I'll works around a bunch go, of- I'll never let go, Jay Will. I'll never let go. He works around a bunch of Bristol brain guys, and I think he's somebody who wants to break away from that, who wants to be able to have his own voice and, and kind of the 23-year-old, or at least my era of kids, right, the new media that I think at least is coming in just a little bit, making a charge. Does your audience he respects know, it. Does your audience know how you guys first bonded? For sure. Absolutely. Calling him out as being a hater, a heat hater, and writing it on his coffee cup. Went went right after his neck. They know very, very, very well. Did he take a liking to you, or did you pester him into this friendship? (laughs) He took a liking. (laughs) But you think I'm going to answer the other way around? But no, he definitely took a liking. How familiar are you with his college basketball career? So I think at that time when when he was coming on the show and we had first started to... um, You weren't familiar, though. I wasn't familiar. I was with the second overall pick. But Do you love him? Do you love him? So much. I'll have never, you told him? Like, ne- I dude, told him I'll never let go. Uh, like on the phone, like you talk on the phone more to Jay Will than I talk to my mother. He buzzed me up on the weekend. And he calls you on the phone on Saturday. Not text and calls. I, I was buzzing. I was buzzing hard. So for that first like five seconds, I just st- stared at the phone. I was off. Uh, we were in Fort Lauderdale. I was off at the White Claw, so, and he called me, and I was like, "Oh, hold on, what were you doing on Saturday?" Oh man, I, I was just <laughs> I was just down in Fort Lauderdale. You were, you were drinking on Saturday? Was it Saturday? Or, yeah, it was. So weird that you're drinking, um, boy. Strange. So th- everything all right? That you're, I, that you're. Oh, that's right. You drink every day. My bad. That's not true. <laughs> but I, I brought it up because he did call when I was in that state. Was it? Day, was were you like, date? Were you day drinking Saturday? Yeah. What was the occasion? I was down with where? Where where'd we go? Did you get on Brightline? We did. I did not get on Brightline. Sorry. Should have got on Brightline. Could give you from one. Should have got on Brightline. But no, we were just down on Las Olas for a little bit, and we spent the night there as well. Very nice. Little stay cake. Um, and then. You your phone starts to, to ring. It started to ring. And you look and then do you show like your girl? Do you show your friends? Do do you do you turn it face up so people see who's calling you? No, I was with people who already uh no, and I turned and I was like, is this a smart idea to answer this? And how many people were you with? I was with four five other people. How many of them are ESPN fans? All of them. All of them big fans. And do you talk about Jay Will all the time? Um Do you bring I, them up in conversation? I mean they listen to the show on a daily and they're very familiar with what Ken does on the show what we do and how Jay Will came on a little bit. So it was because I've never really heard a whole episode of your show. I've heard pieces and bits, parts and parts. That's jacked up. It's the best thing running I'm, right now. I'm working preparing my own damn show. That's true. You do have a job. Anyways, um, you hold the phone out and do you like do you show everyone like look who's calling me? No, it was starstruck. No, it wasn't that. It was do I answer this? Like let's get a vote. And it was like half and half. Yes, of course, and no, don't embarrass yourself. How was his name saved in your phone? <laughs> J-A-Y Williams. J. Williams. Yeah. Okay. How many hearts emojis are there after Williams? Uh, I, I think 16. Is there like a basketball and then <laughs> and then 16 hearts emojis? It's a basketball and then it's the heart with the arrow through it. Oh. And then it's the pink ones with the little stars that it, go after what it. What about the vibrating uh, hearts? Oh, I, I'm actually forgetting one. Like there's, flutter. A, there's an eggplant right after the oh, 16 stars. Oh, oh, oh damn. <laughs> really? Yes. yes. Um, for those that don't know what the eggplant emoji means, because some of this audience is a little older, um, Google it. Google Google how it's popularly used. <laughs> Just Google it. In, in pop culture. 
Now the song is rising to crescendo. Speaking of eggplant, <laughs> speaking rising of rising and crescendo, nearly the climax here. Okay, so we're, the song is I'm talking about the song right. is reaching its apex. Um, you show everyone your phone. Do you put them on speaker or does Stone Banowitz answer it in private? Ultimately, the answer was a no. We voted on no. Don't answer. Don't answer. I was just a little afraid to embarrass myself because you know whether because I was buzzed whether he wanted to talk b-ball. Steph Curry's game. What else would he want to talk about? What, why is why is he calling you? Are you texting him or something? I actually did not text him at all. And so it, why is he calling you? The phone buzzed up. Man, I think he wanted to talk some shop. So I didn't answer him. I said, "Holler!" I said, "What's good?" You know, I'm down here hanging how out. How many with times? Peoples. How many times have you and ESPN's Jay Williams talked on the phone? Twice. Just twice ever? Three times. Three times ever? Three times is a fact. Um, I'm going to guess <laughs> two of those are outgoing calls. And one of them is an incoming call. One of them was ingoing, two of them outgoing. So get you some. Because I was going to take your phone right now and go through your call log and be like, look it, here's you drunk dialing out. No. Here's you, here's you calling back one minute after he texts you. Here's a text from him saying, bro, don't call me. I text you for a reason. <laughs> you don't do that, do you? No, I don't. And, and it's funny because I remember the day that he came on the show, you had mentioned, you know, hey, man. You can't fanboy. You can't do this. You can't fanboy. And, and, and I have learned that, I think, through playing the sport of football. Like, everybody, no matter what team you play on, if you're at the collegiate level, like, there have been people who have come through your school yeah. that are now stars. You have played with people in the past, oh, I used to play with blah, 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 that are now stars. You still have their contacts. The one thing you will learn quickly by texting is that you won't get a response, or you're not that guy anymore, and they don't remember you, so don't embarrass yourself. Mm. So I feel like I've learned that on top of getting advice from you guys. Trust me. He don't get you many don't texts. He don't get calls at all. No, you want to. You want to be contemporary. Yeah, you know what I'm saying you're not big time in him, but you're also not treating him special because he'll view you differently. I actually saw someone Friday night that was excited to meet Stone Lebanowitz, and I never thought that would happen <laughs> in my life. I witnessed it firsthand. <laughs> we were in the VIP lounge at I think Financial Amphitheater, yeah, and we were having uh, beverages. I think before Kid Rock. Yes, it was. Was it before a Kid good, Rock or right good, after? A good 45 hour before. Okay, so it was between Grand Funk Railroad. My boy, Don Brewer, by the way, shout out Don Brewer. You were tremendous. You've been a rock star for 50-some years. He's the guy that, uh, he's the drummer from Grand Funk Railroad. Mm. He's a dude that sings, we're an American band, while he plays the drums. It's a classic. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a rock star. Um, it was between the shows. And a woman came over to me, and she had her teenage children with her. And she's like, hey, Josh, hey. And like gave me a hug and what? And then what, she introduced me to her, her sons and her one son's girlfriend. And the, and I introduced them to Stone. And the one boy says to Stone, I, I, I know who you are. And I was like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I went, I went to South Fork. And he goes, we, we, and he was a little, not starstruck by you, but you could tell it was a case of like, like in the movie Project X, remember? Yes. Where they destroyed the house, yes. the party. And Miles Teller, my boy Miles, was the baseball star that went off to college. Mm -hmm. You were clearly Miles Teller from Project X, and he was one of the kids at the party. I mean, I, 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 I guess you could say so. In the moment, I was more so scared of, should I know him? Should right. I know you? Should I know the family? Like, am I making a mistake by, but you were you know, nice to everybody in high school. I mean, school. absolutely. You didn't play Mr. Cool Guy quarterback. Ne never did any of that, so that's where I initially got scared. Is this my fault? Like, is this Good bad man. on me? Let me make sure. Good man. But no, so I know friends of his and vice versa, and you just know through the waves. Good man. Good man. So you didn't fanboy on Jay Will. You've talked on the phone three times. If he texts you, you don't try to call him. Absolutely. People don't do that. Just just let's put yeah, that out to there. To be honest, right people don't do that. People, public service announcement here on Ken Levick Alive from your boy Brother Love, JC. If someone is texting with you, do not call them. Do not. 
you can text them, hey, can I give you a call? And if they say, now's a bad time, don't press your luck. In other words, if you're texting, no need to call. Please, for the love of God. And Jay will probably feel that way. So you didn't take the phone call. You called him back, however, when? No, I, I um, actually texted him. Oh. And I was like, my bad, man. You know, I'm actually down here chilling. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know, can't really hop on the phone right White now. White claws, no, no, no laws. No, no, kind of stuff, right? I try to say Day drunk own, on claw. Day little way. Like, it's a rough time to catch a 23-year-old on a Saturday, something I said. And it was more of a ha-ha, and he buzzed back. Yeah. And it was just a simple phone call. I was like, you know what? What did I, he want, I, though? I can't... I, why was he te- Why was he calling? You? He didn't text me back. He ended up calling me back. So it was like a oh wow. But, but now what did I really he want though? He said, "Hey, can I hop on the show Monday?" And I was like, "Man, you have an open invite, dude." I was like, "You just text me next time that I'm coming on the he show." He wants Monday. to come on this show. Yes, I don't even want to come on this show. Yeah, well, you should. <laughs> so maybe we'll have you and Jay Will on this Thursday. I'm honored to get to fill in today for my boy Ken Lavica. Yes. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it just occurred to me minutes before I came on, like. He's covered the home team for me many times over the years. He was co-host on that show for seven of them. But I'd never covered for him on his show. And I'm going to try my best to not screw it up. So I was a little nervous in the first segment. So I was a little stuttering and stammering. As you know, that was just flim, that. It was just phlegm from yogurt. <laughs> nah, I, was ner- I love it. You know, I'm not Big nervous. shoes to fill. But I want to... <laughs> Ken Le- those are big shoes to fill. They are big I don't shoes. I know people know that Ken Levick has got clown feet. Yes, he does. Ken, Ken Levick has water skis for shoes. Ken Levick has got those Paris Hilton water ski feet. Ken Levick is five feet six, and he wears like a size 13. It's, it's a freak show. It is. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Okay. Coming up after winning the Canadian Open yesterday, Rory McIlroy said what into a live microphone? Wait till you hear this next. It's Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. It is Ken Levick Alive, and a reminder, we are... Presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash sport. It is Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3 FM, streaming live worldwide on smart speakers by saying play ESPN 106.3. And of course, on the ESPN app, under live audio, live stations, scroll down to West Palm Beach. That's Stone Lebanowitz, and I'm Brother Love, J to the C, normally of the home team, but as life comes full circle sometimes, the dude who hosted the show with the guy co-host is now filling in for the guy who was his co-host, who's got his own show to host in the form of Ken Levicka, who's vacationing in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Oh, how the turntables. Oh, how the turntables, as Michael Scott said. And that was the case yesterday as well with the Canadian Open. <laughs> that our, is true. Our own local guy, Rory McElroy, who's been the most outspoken critic of the defectors that left the PGA Tour to play in the Live Tour. Rory McElroy, who has been really the rock of the PGA Tour as far as golfers had said what they're doing is wrong they're being punished they should they broke laws there's consequences that come the guy who initially said if you look at who's playing over there it's not exactly star-studded I mean remember early on when a couple guys trickled over there you saw Rory say yeah it's not really that impressive and you're like, whoa, damn, dude, these are your guys. And it makes it even more that Rory's finding his form, too, I think, because now that he's back into the spotlight, he's just going to sit in that chair. Now he is the voice of the players, it seems like, with a guy like Dustin gone, with a guy like Bryson gone. They offered Jack Nicholas how much money to become the find out? 
How much? It's a hundred and fifty mil. It was, it was over. It was in excess of a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And he said no way. But a guy that could be bought was another local guy, Greg Norman, who was the commissioner of the Live Golf Tour, who has been very outspoken as well, encountering as such, and some might even argue petty, um, with personal attacks and obviously taking shots at the organization that made him. What he became, that is the shark, with his logo and his brand and his global. I mean, you can get his clothes at TJ Maxx. You yeah, know what I mean, I'm saying? I, I think so, yeah. He, That's how you know you made it big time. You, he, can, you get a golf shirt for twelve ninety nine at TJ Maxx, you know that you've gone big time. <laughs> he actually said, he said, Rory's brainwashed, Jack Nicholas is brainwashed by the PGA Tour. Take a listen yesterday as Roy McIlroy shoots a 62 in the final round. He's the defending champion. I know it's three years apart because they couldn't play in 2020 or 2021. Three years removed, he's the defending champion of the Canadian Open. There was an enormous crowd that surrounded the green on 18. It looked like a Tiger Woods type of finish. It was an enormous gallery that was chanting, Rory, Rory. There's a big Irish contingency and population in Canada. He's popular there. He's been successful there. He's a defending champion. But this is moments after he holed out to secure the win Take a listen to what Roy McElroy said knowingly in an interview into a live microphone. Yeah, this is a day I'll remember for a long, long time. Uh, 21st PGA Tour win, uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today. One more than somebody else. That gave me a little extra incentive today. You were an athlete. I was an athlete. We know that when things just finish, you think different and you speak different than you do a few minutes, a few hours, certainly a few days and weeks later. Yeah, I think it's a really underrated point. I think that people take too much consideration of what someone says fresh after a win, but he didn't hold back. I mean, he meant what he said. Well, here's the thing, is that you're more prone to be emotional and not think clearly in the moments following, which is why in the MMA world they say, think about this, guys and gals. Post-fight, we'll often talk about, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. Or that might have been my last one. Or you saw Joanna Jacek Saturday night, take her gloves off, leave them in the cage, which is the sign of I'm retiring. And you say, take a couple hours, take a couple days, take a couple weeks just to make sure that you know. Roy McElroy, take a listen one more time to what he said in the moments following winning this tournament when he talks. It's, it's amazing that this was first and foremost in his mind but he uses the term someone. Take a listen one more time. Yeah, this is a day I'll remember for a long, long time. Uh, 21st PGA Tour win, uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today. When he says someone else, it's one more than someone else. That someone else was Greg Norman. Yep. As Shakespeare would write this tragedy, there is irony in Greg Norman going after Roy McIlroy and the tour and the brainwash. And then the same week this happens, that that Live Tour has its inaugural event, the man who's been the most outspoken proponent and defender of the PGA Tour and has been most critical of the defectors is the guy who wins it. Mm -hmm. And he now moves ahead of the guy that was just talking bleep about him. So let's take a listen now. A little bit later, when Rory gets a chance to clean himself up, talk to his family, get all settled in, and now he's going to sit and meet with the press, meet with the media, 
be introduced to the media as your defending champion. Take a listen later in the evening what Rory had to say now. Rory, if we could just get an opening comment on the victory and what it means to you. On one more than Norman. On one more than Norman. It wasn't on, it was on. I'm the one more than Norman. And one more than Norman. And one more than Norman. The first go-round, in the minutes following, he wasn't naming names. Mm -hmm. He was being a little coy. He was being a little bit cryptic. And some knew what he meant, including Jim Nance on CBS, who clarified and said, that would be Greg Norman, who he was tied with at 20. And now here he is a couple hours removed, and you can hear in his voice, it's not the golly gee shucks, when he's talking to, was it Amanda Balonis following? Yeah, Balonis. You hear, it's a little more golly gee shucks in his voice. We often on the home team talk about, it's not what people say, but how they say it. Right. It's not always what they say, it's what they don't. And in the first go-round, what he didn't say was the name Greg Norman. And how he said it was, golly gee shucks. In the hours that followed at this press conference, there's an aggressive tone that goes, and one more than Norman. And he's naming names. This is a guy who hours later shows us a little bit of, not vitriol, but a little bit of say it with your chest. Yeah, it was like he almost got assurance from everybody else, right? They probably saw the interview trending, people around him, even on the course, and were like, hey, I love what you said, or you're the man, we appreciate you, good looking out. He's like, you know what? Okay, they like that. Like, I'm allowed to say that. Fine, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go one step further. In the moments after winning it, you're a little bit more golly gee shucks, and you're probably a little more cautious. And then you've got a little time to think. And he got a little time to think. And then after he realized, and it sets in, this dude talking all this smack, taking shots at me, guess what? I just passed you on the all-time list. And you're never catching up now. You'll always be behind me now. Tail lights, brother. Tail lights. See what I look like from the back? Because this is it. From now on, for all eternity, I'm ahead of you on the list. Mm. You understand this, right? Right. You got this, right? And then when it was time, so he had some time to stew on this and some time to think on this. And he went from golly gee shocks and humble to aggressive and one more. And he went from somebody to Norman. Don't you find that psychologically fascinating? Very fascinating because he doubled down. And most of the time, these athletes choose to not get into the headlines and not do something. But in this moment, he felt like he was the voice of the people, the voice of the PGA Tour. I'm the captain now. Like, yeah. And taillights, brother. I, I agree with you. It's very fascinating. It is Shakespearean. It is. I mean, it's a Hollywood script that the guy who's been defending is the one who wins. The guy who's being attacked is the guy who wins. And the guy who was doing the attacking from the other side of the defector side, yeah, that is the dude he passes on the list. This is a movie script in subtlety of Shakespearean drama, tragedy, and irony that uh, you go, man, I just love the way the golf gods align this. It's absolutely scripted. And I think what would be a good scene in that movie is the gallery pictures. Seeing them side by side yesterday on Twitter really, like, it, it almost hurt my stomach. I felt really bad. Because there was no one there for live. There was nobody there for live. Right. The gallery was peanuts compared to what it was in Canada. And it hit me, right? A, couple, a bunch of grown men who made that decision to go make that money are realizing that it's not the same. The passion's not here right now. Although it's early on, the passion's not here from the people. But all we're doing is out here getting paid. The competition's not the same. Think about that final group. 
Justin Rose wasn't in it, but he shot, I think, a 12-under yesterday. He was a putt away from breaking the course record. The final group was JT, Tony Finau, and Roy McIlroy, and they all went low and put on a show in front of everybody. It was just so, so bad for the Liverpool JT bogeyed 17 and 18. Yes. Didn't have one all day. Mm-hmm. So what are people actually mad about, Stone LeBanowitz? What, what are they really actually mad about? They're mad at the Live Tour for being uh, an organization of defectors and of of stealing talent? Or are people mad because these golfers just won't admit, hell yeah, it's about the money. What are people actually, what are they actually mad about? It's more so the money tied with, I think, breaking the code. When you say the money, hold on a second. When you say it's about the money, what? How so? I think going going to earn, and this I'm putting quotes around this, but the Saudi-backed tournament going to take that money. Like, the money's not coming from a place of almost fundraising. It's coming from rich people. Hold on. And small figures. You think American sports fans care about Saudi politics and human rights? You think the same American sports fans that were like, I'll take Deshaun Watson. I'll take Deshaun Watson. I'd love to have Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns fans are like, yup, come get some because we got... You think they care about the morality? You're high. You've got to be. We did an entire show on Tuesday on sports morality and how phony it is. But I think it's an easy It's convenient. Thing. It's convenient. So that's you're asking me what the people think. I think you go with the convenient pull here. And I also said tied with breaking the code. I would say I think 60% of it goes of uh, the anger from fans is breaking the code and the other 40 is taking money that Saudi backed. But I just think with how historic golf is and what it means to, you know, American history or just world history for them to break the code and kind of go the other way. And we don't get mad that the USFL is a thing. We don't get mad that all these, you know, Savannah bananas, the way they're doing baseball and just competing against people, the big things. But Stone, people are upset, not because these dudes went and got paid. People are upset because these guys won't admit that they went there to get paid. Mm-hmm. Because I know a little something about deception and deceit. I study deception and deceit and detection thereof. I know when people are being less than forthcoming, less than truthful, when they're lying. Because I studied it. And I still do human behaviors. And I employ it in situations like when a coach says, well, we're not sure of his status for tomorrow. because it's And I'm like, he's lying to you. He knows he's not playing. What we as human beings do not like is somebody BSing us. We don't like when we have a four-year-old with chocolate all over his face. And we say, did you eat that cookie? And he says, no. I'm going to ask you again. Did you eat that cookie? No. We don't like when we ask our girl, hey, did you get drunk with them last night? No. Did, I'm going to ask you again. Did you get drunk with them last night? I mean, no. We despise strangers and especially people we know lying to us, BSing us, because it makes us feel like they think we're stupid. And it's the most frustrating thing you can imagine when people are BSing you. So in American popular culture, we'll forgive folks of almost anything. Just not lying. Almost anything. Just not lying to us. All you've got to do, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, all you had to do is say, I made a terrible mistake and I'm awfully sorry. And guess what? They're both in Cooperstown right now. OJ Simpson could have had a much better life if he would have said, I can't believe that I did this. I don't deserve to live. I loved her too much. So I'm going to up the ante here. 
right? Is are you? And, th- and those are two dramatic things. Two very by, dramatic. By things. the way, by, by the way, from from baseball players using steroids and admitting it versus a man who murdered two people. And by the way, today is the actual anniversary, uh, twenty eight years ago wow. of when the story broke of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman being found dead because it happened Sunday night, actually twenty eight years ago last night. But I digress. What the point I'm making is we cannot forgive people and we cannot stand with people that we feel are BSing us and lying to us. And if they would just say, uh, if Dustin Johnson would have said, hey, it's too much money to say no. So that's where I'm going here. I want to up the ante. How about, how, about the guy, how about the guy on the street that's got the cardboard sign that says, want to buy drugs, won't lie? Mm-hmm. The guy that wants money. It doesn't say veteran. It doesn't say hungry. It doesn't say we'll work for food. It just says, looking for a nug. It's, it's saying, wants to, need to buy weed, won't mm-hmm. lie. Yeah. People smile, give money, don't they? Right. Thank you. Go ahead. You were saying. Really good call. I want to up the ante with you because I think, or would you consider Phil Mickelson as somebody who should apologize and get back into people's good fortune? Yes or no? What what people want is... But, but yes or no, because I'm going to play you what Phil Mickelson chose to do. I don't know if you caught it. I just pulled it up. Phil Mickelson has had a whole new rebirth the last several years of being a likable, relatable guy who speaks his mind. Yes. Who takes shots at other golfers because they didn't tip their caddy. Who talks about hitting bombs. Phil Mickelson, remember, is a guy that was at uh, someone's wedding. I forget who it was. The day after... The day after he played Tiger um, in that uh, Black Friday, the original match. And Jake Owen, the country singer from Vero Beach, and someone else said to him, I want my 30 bucks back. That was garbage yesterday. And Phil Mickelson took a $100 bill out, put it on the table, and said, I made 90000 of these yesterday. Or I made 90000 of these yesterday. Yeah. Go bleep yourself. <laughs> Phil Mickelson has been the, the, the guy that's been relatable and likable recently. Because he's been honest and he's been real. And when you, you want to play the sound, go ahead. Do you know what I'm about to play? From him the other day in on the his, press conference? No, him on his first tee box oh. at the LIV tour. No. So go, you, go want, you want honest and relatability. Yep. This is Phil Mickelson approaching the first tee box on the LIV tour uh, this weekend in London. Play it. <laughs> That was playing as he walked up to the tee box. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, that is upping the ante. You want me to apologize? Here I am about to hit a bomb. Money, 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 money. That's why I'm here. In the press conference last week, when he danced all around, and, you know, the game of golf is so good, and, you know, to grow the game around the world, and I know people benefit. If these guys, Dustin Johnson straight through, would just flat out say, why do you, they go? Why are you? Why are you playing in this tournament? Why do you think I'm playing this tournament? It's too much money to say no, Dustin, brother. Dustin did say in his presser that I'm looking out for what's best for my wife and my kids financially. He did say that. I will give him that. It's not just what we say; it's how yeah, we say. He said it dead tone. You're right. And, and let's just there's a way to go about this. And I'm telling you, as a PR guy that's been in public relations for decades. You don't want to try and BS the American people. You want everyone to think that you're speaking their language. And there's a way to do it. And that's not the way. None of those guys got it right. None of them. Coming up, has Steph Curry already done enough to win Finals MVP? Even if they lose the series, we got a case to argue. It is Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3.
from the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. It is Brother Love, JC, filling in for Ken LaVica on Ken LaVica Live, and we are presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. That is Visit st- fau.edu slash MBA Sport. That is Stone Lebanowitz, and as I mentioned, Josh Cohen in for Kenny, who's in vacation, and we're going to play Vacation Feud 2.0. Now, why 2.0? It's his second vacation this year? No, it's not. So me and Jeanette actually participated in the game on Wednesday, predicting activities that he would do while in Montego Bay. Ah. And now you get to guess if he's following through with them or just you know what he's doing in general, because God knows. I, I like to play games. I'm always the dude who is running the game, asking the questions. I love to get to answer the questions. Oh, yeah, baby. Because I never get to do that. I'm excited. And I'm also excited because you've known Ken for a long time. So when you do hear some of the... Uh, questions I'm asking you, I actually think you're going to know a lot of the answers because you know Ken. Ken had a little bachelor party weekend back in 2014, I guess it was. 2014, 2015. And they went to like Jacksonville or something because like March Madness had a regional. Do you know the story at all or not? I don't know the story. I'm, I'm at the Breakers. I'm at HMF. It's Friday evening. I'm with my buddy Dave. I'm with Venus and their friend, Venus's friend from California, Olivia who is like Serena's stand-in in commercials and in, in Oh really? Cuz she looks kind of like she looks kind of like Serena so she's like her professional stand. I love that. Yeah. They uh, hang out. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, they're like they're good friends. I think that's how she got the gig. So, it is Olivia and Venus and me and Dave at HMF at the Breakers having cocktails and small plates. And I'm getting text messages. And it's Ken Levicka and their texts that say, "Bro." dot dot dot. Another text. Best co-host ever. Dot, dot, dot. He's not like, hey, man, we're having fun up here. It, he's like, he's t- he's drunk on his bachelor weekend, and now he's telling me that he's the best co-host that I've ever had on this show. Or, I mean, on the home team show. <laughs> he's like making these assertions. And and then he's like, he's, I'm like, it's 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. How drunk are you? That was the same night that Ken Levicka stood out front of a very urban bar in, I think it was Jacksonville, and thanked people for coming to his party. <laughs> it wasn't his party. It wasn't his bar. It I wasn't his. This. It wasn't his town. But he was standing by the front door next to the bouncer, shaking hands, and he was shaking people's hands and thanking them for coming to his party. Until the bouncer said, "Man, you you got to stop doing this. You either got to go inside or you guys got to leave because this is not your party. This is not your bar, and they are not coming here for you." So he was. No being one knows. Serious. No one knows who you are. Yes. <laughs> To show you to everybody's, I can I can picture this very vividly. I, I just remember Ken bachelor party weekend thing that Friday night. I'm like, bro, are you serious? The texts were hilarious though because he was he was like, love you, bro, best host ever. And he's not calling me; he's declaring himself the greatest co-host ever. The I love you stuff is classic because that's just that's just a classic drunk. I love you, bro. Ken's throw, the best. Throw the arm around. So I get to play the game about his vacation coming up in hour number two. Plus, has Steph Curry already done enough to win Finals MVP? Even if the Warriors lose the series, if the Warriors were to lose the next two, Steph Curry done enough in the first four to be the series. It's happened. It's just been a very long time since it has happened. We'll explain next. Hour two, coming up next. Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 1063.